Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Cutback Podcast, where we keep our head on a swivel to bring you our living room commentary from the world of sports and the business that surrounds it. I'm Ian Burley. I'm Cullen Munns, and we are off and running. Whew, it's like we've said that a couple times. Man, Ian, it is good to be back. It's been a minute. I know the people listening to this may think this is a fugazi and they might not know what they're hearing, but we are two real human beings and we are back on the microphones. Yeah, we do actually have jobs and things going on in our lives. Contrary to popular belief, we're not just two slumlords who uh, don't have anything going on. So um, glad we're, I'm glad we're getting back to the people. We, you know, the hundreds of thousands may have left us, but the true members of the hundreds and thousands are still here. It's true. They've been asking about it. They've been feeding I, I will have to give a shout out uh, to one of our close followers, uh, Tim. Tim's the one who who spurred this on and Thanks. said the people are asking for it uh, as president of the hundreds thousands. Tim, uh, we got you. Yeah, love that we have a leader of the supporters club. Yeah, it's what we need. We <laughs> it's like an MLS team. We need a president of the supporters. Yes. Now uh, <laughs> you mentioned slumlord earlier. What a career path that could be. One city in the country to be a slumlord. What are you picking? There's one that came right to the top of my head. One city? Cleveland. <laughs> is that because Cleveland is slummy? Well, it has to be in Ohio. Like, I mean, just us. I have to put the slums in Ohio. So it came to, and just when I think Ohio City, so what's the first one that's crappy that comes to mind? Cleveland. Okay, that's, that's fair. I, I, I guess I took a, a minorly different approach because I was going to say Ann Arbor actually oh. has, has a town to just own a bunch of college houses, which I guess if you're a slum lord, but I don't think the, I don't think housing's that bad in Ann Arbor. Like the houses are nice. Oh, they're not slums. Better, better houses than I did, than, than me and the boys did. We had Action Jackson out there, Rampage Jackson. Uh, yeah, but I can't help who you live with. <laughs> like, your credit score sucks, man. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. that's on you. It's true. It's true. Um, no, I like I like the Ohio answer and our um, our band of supporters and the MLS. MLS is growing a lot. Speaking I, of, I gotta say, like um, the MLS, I'm I'm really happy with where it's going, and, and even on the. I guess can we can we can call this the backside, right, of COVID? Uh, uh yeah, sure. Yeah, I think I hope this is the backside. Uh, <laughs> That's I, true. I, I feel like this is a game of candy of of Candyland, literally, like where you're just kind of going up, and then all of a sudden you hit a shoot, and you're back down, and then you're like, oh, we're almost there, and then back down. Um, we, we might still be on the mountain, but yes, hopefully we're on the backside of the mountain, approaching the foothills. Hopefully. Uh, either way. Uh, I, I gotta say I, I like what the MLS has done coming out of it all or on the downhill side, and uh, it's been pretty impressive. It's it's they've navigated it pretty well. Now, one quick question for you on the MLS before we get into America's uh, team, America's team, the <laughs> University of Michigan Wolverines. Um, uh, not who I was talking about, but, <laughs> yeah, but you, can't, you can't deny that one either. Um, so, with the MLS, we're having. A decent amount of growth they're seeing what they've expanded now to like 30 or 32 clubs or something potentially that are like planned oh planned yes 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 they've but there there also seems to be a lot of markets that like basically don't pull anything for the mls where on the flip side of that most of the new play like the new teams that have been coming online over the past let's call it five or six years they are at the top, like they're killing it. So it's like, okay, since they've started expansion, they're picking the right markets. 
do they divest out of some of the markets that aren't working? Are some of those nature of the beast and you just need them because of it's so this this was a conversation that was going on well but like when i was working in the mls like so 2011 time like people were talking about this in that the new markets were just dominating like and even back then like since then there are some old markets who've like picked it up looking at new england looking at dc um like those old markets have kind of picked up ish but they're still old markets who are lagging behind um but this has been a conversation long before but to me the problem is not that we it's when it's the mls gonna look to divest because i thought they should have thrown the brakes on it like 20 teams or even 24 teams instead of keeping keeping going because i think they've spread the talent too thin and right. I think they should have hit the brakes at like 20, 24, whatever the number is. There's people with higher pay grades that study that stuff better than me. But hit the brakes early and then instead of acquiring more teams or looking to add, expand the league, they should have divested from there and said, hey, you know what? Uh, maybe it's time for us to move D.C. or maybe it's time – whoever it was at that time. Just look at – let's look at the old locations – and relocate from there and i think it would have been a better launching point um but i i just think they the mls has a lot of a lot of lot of teams and the talent when they already are kind of fighting a branding thing a perception of being talent talentless to spread your talent even more thin with by adding and adding and adding teams i just think uh is not the best play yeah, I, it's a point that I think is very well made because the talent thing is huge, right? Because other, they're like, well, what about, okay, NFL has, you know, 32 teams. NBA has, what, 30? Um, MLB is up there as well. 30, yep. How many does NHL have? 30. So it's, they're like, 31 well, now. Why can't the Oh, 32 with, with, with Seattle. What am I thinking? 32. Yeah. Uh, and, and people are like, well, why can't the professional soccer league have that many teams? And you bring up the, the perfect point of the talent. And the, the problem is, is that in all those other sports, the, the U.S. slash Canada professional league is the premier professional league in the world. And in soccer, that's just simply not the case. Unfortunately, I mean, one of the stats that sticks in my head because it blew my mind so much is that the MLS is the third most watched professional soccer league in the United States. Wow. EPL is most watched soccer league in the United States. Number two is Liga MX, MX. which is Mexican professional league. And another anecdote to add to that. Uh, sometimes at soldier field, which is also home of the Chicago fire of the MLS and Chicago bears. I don't, they're the, probably the lesser known team in Chicago, lesser known bears. Um, the fire play there and they'll get like fucking, six to eight thousand fans in soldier field which makes it look fucking completely empty right that's like 10 percent of the stadium if they play a liga mx friendly there where oh, they literally put fucking sold out two teams yeah two teams from the mex uh from liga mx just play an exhibition at soldier field that motherfucker is sold out instantly so it's like and and that persona is also like a vicious never ending cycle because like it's hard to get talent. That's good. If they already perceive you as not being the best league. 
So then you got to try and really fucking homegrown and 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 develop people and really convince them to stay in the MLS because currently, even otherwise, somebody like uh, Pulisic or Pul- Pulisic, Christian Pulisic, Pulisic, yeah, he's homegrown, but he's still like, yeah, I'm gonna go play in the fucking English Premier League. Would you tell somebody not to go play in the NBA? Like, what are we talking about? And that's just it. Which I can also hear all the hundreds of thousands hitting their pause button saying, "Did these MFers really come back after a hiatus <laughs> with the MLS talk?" I don't uh, know how it happened, but but we're here. Uh, and welcome back, folks. Uh, but I, I'm telling you, yes, it, it, that's 100% what happens. But I'll tell you even uh, to just kind of double down on the reality of that is I worked for the Dynamo in 2011. Granted, the league has come a long way in 10 years. So I, I don't want to make draw this comparison. You know, it's a little apples to oranges. oranges but um, the Dynamo play in their stadium, they, they may half fill it on a good night. Like it's hot. It's brutal in Houston in the summer. I mean, that doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out that. Um, But they played, it was Honduras versus El Salvador, international friendly. Neither team's American, neither team's Mexican, neither team's Canadian. No, it's not even the neighbors. It was sold out. You couldn't fit a sardine in that thing uh, when when they kicked that thing off for El Salvador and Honduras. And, and so it's just – it's to your point, it's just – I think that there's so much potential for the MLS. It's just trying to find where they fit in, and, and I think it's this age-old thing. They, they they can't determine whether they're trying to play with the, the big leagues and the American leagues or if they're trying to be a minor league, fun, experiential league, and they can't really line up the marketing or, or, or their branding with what they're actually trying to do. and and I, I, it's still that seems to be their problem because I do think the MLS has come a long way from where it was in the 90s, and I understand it's a fledgling league, and I still think it has a lot of potential. Uh, but it's just not they don't they're not figuring out their footing quite fully yet to me. And it feels like for it ultimately to be able because you're right one what this is like didn't they just have like their 25th season or something. Or yes, that the NBA. I mean, I think they're. Uh, in I mean, they're in the path. same similar path. I think they 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 were both born in the '90s. Uh, let me tell you. So that's super young for a league, right? So like long term, yes, there's an avenue for the MLS to become a much more prevalent league. We are but... in the 25th season of the MLS this season. Beautiful. Look at that. Um, it feels like it's ultimately just going to take money. Yeah. To be able to lure but in don't players. all things. I mean, Amazon yeah. took money. Google took money. Yeah, but like, yeah, and I guess like the NFL took money, but like it didn't take money all the time. It's all you know, like no, you hit us. You hit a stage in your development that you just need money. Like that, I think that's just a natural development. I mean, Apple, they they all hit that stage where they've outgrown their capital. I, I don't know. If I, there's probably investment bankers listening in the hundreds of thousands that are uh, like, wow, this guy's trying to step in our world. Uh, but the same idea. We, I think the MLS just needs some capital to get going. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We, I mean, realistically, we should see it either come to maturity or fail in our lifetime. Yeah, and, and I don't think it'll fail. I, no, I, it's it's already made it long enough. But I guess will it stay as it is or will it grow? And see, I think that's what worries me here 
about the MLS is about the whole expansion expansion and and just for to fact check us and back up where the MLS is currently at 27 teams with plans to expand to 30 um but um I, what worries me is if any of these 30 teams fold it it will be such a a damaging mark a black eye on the league for that pro, pro, progress of moving forward and that's what worries me is I'm not certain and COVID didn't help by any stretch, but I'm not certain that all 30 teams will survive going forward. And that's, that's what worries me. And, and, and I, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope that they all do and the MLS survives and, and everything keeps going forward, but where it's definitely a cock your head and wonder if they're going to make it the, the teams, not the league. Right. Yeah. I think that's fair. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but I am actually kind of excited to see how it all plays out. Not something I'd probably follow like super hundred percent closely, but in the world that we live in, it'll be cool to see what happens with a league that, that old, I suppose, or that young. Well, I think this is a great point for us to transition uh, into America's team, uh, going to the world series and, and talk about uh, just kind of, all the hatred and vitriol that America spewed uh, with the Houston Astros. And, and how do we feel um, now that the Astros are kind of vindicated, won the American League again? Uh, how, 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 do, how are we feeling as Americans? How are we feeling as baseball people? Where do we stand with the strike? That's kind of where I ultimately want to take this. Okay, so I will speak for the people of the internet. Mm-hmm. For this one. So these aren't per- particularly my words, but these are the words of, of Reddit. You're, you're the Reddit stockbrokers. Yes. 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 I'm just reporting the news here. Um, that's what we do here on the cutback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, all we are. But it, I would say that the Astros are, I think, I think they're in, I think they're on the back side as well. I think that now that, Everybody, nobody wanted to see them continue to win. It was always like, okay, whoever's playing the Astros in the playoffs, that's like America's new favorite team throughout the playoffs. And it almost became the same with the Braves. I think it'll start to die down, especially like the roster is going to change. What I'm curious about is like, okay, somebody, Carlos Correa, may end up in a Detroit Tigers uniform. Uh, let's let's talk about we can talk about Korea, but I I do want to I want to kind of keep talking Astros in the World Series here before we transition to the to the future. So I just don't I I struggle to wrap my hand head around (laughs) why the Astros are bigger villains than the Yankees or Dodgers. Well, because they got made the scapegoat. You know that. Okay, fine. If we're if we're on board admitting that they were the scapegoat, I'm cool. But it just like. I literally was losing my mind listening to A-Rod and, and Big Poppy on those both, both cheaters, known cheaters, like caught cheaters, both of them. I would, But I was losing my mind listening to them constantly bring up the scandal. Like, I understand. Like, and I've never got on this air, never got on this show and, and said that the Astros didn't cheat. That's never, ever been my stance, and it never will be my stance. They did. But I don't think there's anybody out there saying that the Astros cheated this year or last year. But let's just talk in the present. Nobody thinks the Astros cheated this year, right? No. No, I don't I don't think anybody outside of, like, 
memes and and making internet jokes actually thinks that it is continuing everybody is still just holding it against them now part of that is because the way the astros handled it publicly was horrific both from the players but like, what are you supposed to do you were given you were you were given uh, you were given immunity for for talking and then you were made a scapegoat. I would be pissed as a hornet too. Well, uh, it didn't. I guess we did, we didn't know about them being the scapegoat at the time of some of those initial like players. Ah, well, you didn't listen to the show because I was on here <laughs> saying no, like like originally like some of the yeah. like, during training when, interviews. Yeah, when a Rod or a Rod, Alex Bregman, and I, I assume we're talking Alex Bregman and Altuve's a. Yes. apologies yes. in air quotes yes. 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 Uh, for those who aren't watching us on Twitch. Uh, <laughs> the, the air quotes, uh, A-Rod, uh, A-Rod, God, that's twice. Alex Bregman and Altuve's apology. Um, I wouldn't be remorseful either because it's a league-wide issue and that I've been made a scapegoat. They knew it was a scapegoat. Like that, and I mean, they knew. So I, I, are they really sorry? No, nor should they be. <laughs> like well i like that's how i mean so i don't that part i take homage with but i just i just think it's so funny how baseball transitioned from the most the people who really like screw up baseball which is the yankees and dodgers with just buying talent and ruining everybody else ruining the small market teams have somehow escaped being the villains all of a sudden over a league-wide problem that they were doing too, cash money. It's I, that's what bothers me, and I'm just glad that America's team rose to the top despite all the vitriol and hatred you all spewed all year. They just fought through it, couldn't be deterred. Got to the World Series, we're hanging another banner for all you haters to just cry over. Now the internet would require me to say. Are you still whole, are, are you the champions of the uh, piece of metal World Series trophy? No, we got mail pennant. Uh, but Manfred oh, would say. But, all right, this is this brings up another uh, a, a transition for us, and and I know we'll come back to Korea, but th- th- I want to ask your opinion on this. So I was posed, oh, okay. by a question, and, and I I think it ties in with the Astros. I but. It, a buddy of mine, a coworker, asked me. He said the season for the Astros should be deemed a failure because they are the first losers of the season. <laughs> okay. Because they were expected, they had World Series expectations. They didn't win it. It should be deemed a failure. It was his argument. To 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 my counter argument to that is. I, I, at some point, you go in, and the luck of sports hits. Like you, you, like you have to call it a success. At some point, no matter how good the team yeah. is, you know what I'm saying. So, like in baseball, I part of me wants to put that line at the division series. Like I, I, I like Bro, you win you make the playoffs. I and see that's where I like the new playoffs with the wild card and all of that. Uh, I, I'm not sure. And I like if you're if you're the if the Astros came in this year with the high expectations that they had, and then they only made the wild card and lost. I'm not sure I'm ready to dub that season a success. 
Yeah, but think about how shitty you would have felt if they didn't even make that one game wild card. The change it would in be worse energy. Yeah, the change in people's like excitement. Like, hey, we fucking made the playoffs. We got a shot. Sure, but I, I'm also uh, and I yes, I recognize I'm looking at this from my Astros ivory tower because we've made the ALCS five years in a row because we are that good. But it, it's also just like going in knowing how good the Astros were despite all the hatred everybody had and all the social crap that surrounded the team. Like if the Astros just made the wild card and lost, I don't know that I could be like, yeah, that's a successful season. But the Astros going to the World Series and and competing, did they win? No. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. I am not ready to say that was a bad season for for my team for the Astros. Like, it's there. There is a line for everybody that, that going in with expectations and what the result is that a season should be dubbed successful. I think. Yeah, I mean, first of all, there's no. I mean, I'm sure the guys in the in the clubhouse in the immediate wake of losing the world series feel like they're not happy but as you can't be like ultimately ultimately i think saying if you don't win a world series this season is a failure as a fan no matter the expectations of the team is complete bullshit yeah i yeah bullshit now i and this is where subjectivity comes into play even more right because for any team i would say making it to the world series the playoffs the nba finals regardless of result that is a successful season you made it to the fucking dance now then you start playing with you're moving the goalposts for different teams so like is it successful if they make the playoffs is it successful if they get to the alcs or the nfc championship game like what is the true measure that's and that's even subjective between different people in the way that they have expectations for teams that, that's a great point and, and losing the final game of the year we can't have the goalpost be there. Guys no. in the in the locker room can, because that's their life and their business. We cannot. We are not allowed. We can feel shitty about it, but come on. No, and, and I'm with you. And I and I think ultimately, if we're being completely objective and trying to make this objective league wide, I think the playoff barometer is is a great place to put the goalpost. And, and I and I think that's beautiful. And but you know, it, it's just a mad. I just think it's funny how. People have, and, and let's use this to transition to Michigan football. Jim 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 Harbaugh has been at worst ten and three. Nah, we had some eight win years. First year out. Uh, first year, and then like twenty eighteen, when we lost to South Carolina in the outback. And I'm and and for the record, and I want everyone to hear this: the year twenty twenty does not count in college football for anything. I will not count it. Uh, it, it, it that twenty twenty doesn't count for any sport anywhere. Oh, and here, fire breather, fire breather alert. We only got one eight win. Okay, let me. Uh, yeah, I think there's only one. We got uh ten and three, ten and three, eight and five, ten and three, nine and four. Null and void last year, and currently sitting at nine and one. So uh, we're we're looking at a 10, 10 win year this year too. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, objectively, if if ten wins is the, I I would tell you a quote unquote playoff team in college football. Michigan football should chill the f out. 
on on how we're doing. Well, this is this is a beautiful example. And like you said, a segue into just this whole thing about moving the goalposts, because at the beginning of the season, not not a single person, myself included, was fully in on Michigan. I think I projected them. Well, actually, you know what? I projected these motherfuckers at. uh, Let me pull this up because I have it right here. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you had us at two losses when I asked you at the beginning of the year. I did project Michigan to only lose two games. So maybe I was higher on Michigan than most. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so, but, but realistically, the prevailing thought was like Michigan's going to win eight or nine games, probably eight games, right? And that's going to be it. And that's not going to be enough. We're sitting at nine and one. Now, the one loss is the classic fucking Michigan loss to the worst fucking team to do it to. So that's tough, and then that allows people to bring up when you play so well to start the season. So now you're like, hey, this team is not what we thought they were. They're better, so we're going to move the goalposts, which is shitty but is also realistic. Um, but, yeah, it's it's tough. No, it's yeah. not. No, 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 no. It's No, it's not realistic. It's not. We can't move the goalposts because we can't beat Ohio. Be- just because Ohio is on this pedestal, that they have been on this run that is – and God bless them. They're, they're floating the Big Ten. Between, yeah, but, between Michigan and Ohio, we're floating the Big Ten. Like, let's call a spade a spade. Bro, we got to figure Michigan State out in a bad fucking way. And I say I, that with all seriousness. And I can't stand that you don't care about it. There is no part of me understand. that is concerned. There's no Bro, part of me that's concerned. Zero. You know the record against Michigan State over I don't the past care. I don't years. care. I don't care. They they literally are because I know we'll it'll in the it'll all come out in the wash. We will it will come out. Like yeah, they got us a handful of times, and the yeah, all, the, the, the the officiating committee came out and said this last one was a fluke. Right. All that aside, and well, but what do you mean? All that aside. Here's, here's, my point, here's my point. Here's my point. The Ohio State game doesn't matter unless you beat Michigan State. If you no, don't, that's Michigan, not true this year. If you don't beat Michigan State, for the Ohio State game to matter, you have to get help at the very least. No, that's not true. Yes, not that's this year. True this year. Yes. No, unless, right as of right now, that is not true. Yes, it is. Michigan beats Ohio. We're in. Only if Ohio State beats Michigan State. If Michigan State wins out and we win out, they have head to head over us. We but each have one. But we're ahead of them in the current rankings, so for some reason they would have to jump us. They would go to the Big Ten championship game, and if they win that, they'll get into the playoff over the team that they beat and didn't win the Big Ten championship. I would, I would be crying Alabama, Georgia, so fast your head would spin. I mean, but it's. Alabama and Georgia are only going to play in the championship game. No, 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 not this year. I'm talking previous years when they both got in and Alabama was sitting out with one loss of the SEC championship. Okay. Had they played Georgia in the regular season? No, that's that's my – they no. Yes, they had. They beat Georgia in the regular season and then lost in the SEC championship. Oh, and then still got in. And still got in. Well, but Georgia beat them. In the SEC championship game. Correct. Yeah, so we're talking different things. If we then went and beat Michigan State in the Big Ten championship game, but that's not possible. There, It will be... All right, well, one, no, what Michigan part State of you... Out, let me ask you this. What percentage of you thinks that Ohio will lose to Michigan State? 
very small. All but right. It, so we're, 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 it can happen. We, we aren't in control of our own destiny. We are 100% in control of our own destiny. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, even if Michigan State beats Ohio, Michigan's in. Bro, that was one of the worst losses. And that's going to be one that will stick with me for the rest of my life. And I say that in all seriousness. I say this in all seriousness. Um, I don't know what was worse, Tony Corrente or that game. Like that, that both, like that was bad. Yes, I agree. The officiating was horrific. What still sucks is that. Uh, that we put Christian Mc, or McCarthy in, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. I wish it was goddamn Christian McCaffrey. Uh, JJ McCarthy in for just in the middle of drives. That's what drives me berserk. Well, you had a lot of the point of, of this so that we don't fucking go play by play because I will and nobody will like that. <laughs> but the point of this is that we one had a 16 point lead, which yes, should have been larger one because we kick way too many fucking field goals in the red zone. And two, because yes, the referees did seemingly officially take a touchdown off the board, which obviously changes the game. That being said, we still had a point with six minutes left in the third quarter. We are up 16 points. Not only do we allow Michigan state to do literally everything that they have to do, multiple fourth down conversions, two for two on two point conversions. If we make any one of those plays, we still save ourselves. We then went above and beyond and shot ourselves every time we still found a way to have a chance to lock up the game. Think about how many times we had a chance to lock that thing up, even with all the crazy nonsense going on, both from officiating and with Michigan State making every single play, us not making plays. We still had multiple chances all the way down to the last fucking possession and we throw it away. That's what I'm just like. How does that happen? And in the past, we were like, yep, Michigan teams do this. But we thought this team was different. And since, they've kind of showed us that they're different. The Penn State win was great. Michigan teams of the past would have lost that game. That's just, everybody knows that. So maybe And but, Nebraska. And Nebraska going into Wisconsin, even though Wisconsin was dog shit at the time. Even fucking Rutgers at home, honestly. Like, Rutgers is not good, and they've been really bad ever Some since. Live. They they waxed Indiana last weekend for those wanting to know. <laughs> Indiana. Very Indiana, very bad. So all of this just to say that at that time, you know, maybe whatever happens the rest of this year, you'll, you'll maybe feel better. But like me and my buddy DJ, Shaktastic, Decepticon, Matt Madden. Oh, we sat in my apartment almost silent for like two hours after the game because you're just like, of course that shit happened. But and still I know in control it's, of your own destiny. Yeah, but I got to deal with people. I got to deal with that for 365 days and forever because we still got to deal with people talking about fucking the snap. Well, you, Anybody oh, from Michigan, but hey, we got to deal know, with Michigan State fans and people that we know in our lives every single day. You know, you know what you still have that they don't? <sighs> no, because they we've only beat them like A three Michigan times degree. In moving on, moving, years. moving on. We yeah. haven't in you our have, formative years. They didn't take your degree away. Years, they didn't take yeah. your degree away. Unfortunately, I have a supply chain certificate of excellence from Michigan <laughs> State as well. It's wow, brutal. steel case. Yeah, but I did wear a Michigan tie to the uh, like ceremony. <laughs> so I, I didn't. Did I did not know this about you for yeah, all through all these a, years. They put me through like this year long 
course that Michigan State put on. And no wonder flat. you have such a defended heart over over no, Michigan. It's before State. that. Listen, man, our formative years. I, I, it's all starting to make sense now. Michigan State is like a Michigan. Michigan State is like a crosstown high school rivalry, which I also grew up in. So I was just taught to like really take it seriously, for better or for worse, and to in our formative years right like the last 15 years they have not just like been better than us they have fucking dominated us but do you and realize they beat us multiple times when they have objectively the worst team on the field sure uh, like the yeah. least talented team and they've beaten us multiple times okay. in those yeah stars. and i'll take that just same have that shit I'll, dude. but i'll take that same that same generalization and say like michigan has objectively had the worst team on the field against ohio multiple yep. times and we've and never beat them kept it close numerous times yeah but way closer than it should have been what are we playing fucking bombs <laughs> and horses? All right, sometimes i wish uh <laughs> but but my point is like you're looking like if we look in the grand scheme of a program and i'm telling you like that we are looking in the grand scheme of a program this blip against michigan state i'm telling you it will it will flip it will I hope flip so. it will flip in a heartbeat it, yeah, the, the one that's the one that I don't like to use the word scares, but the one that keeps me my rabbit ears up is Ohio because they are just damn good. Like period. Yep. Like they're just they know how to do it, and I hate it. And we've beaten them what once in twenty one years or twenty two years, something like that. Who's counting? I quit counting. I, I know oh. we beat them once in a while. And they went six and six that year. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, it, but but the sad part is like, and that's why I, it's frustrating to me that you are so hung up on the little brother. Like I just because think there's been numerous years where we've been knocking on the national championship or at least the playoff or the Big Ten championship, and we lose to Ohio, and right. they're the ones that keep us out. But what's tough is also Michigan State has played in the Big Ten Championship game multiple Who times. Who cares? Like, nobody cares. I don't. We'd be, I do. Like, it is. I agree. In the scheme of things, in, in to get us back to the success of programs not moving the goalposts, this year, albeit that loss, in my opinion, and whatever happens on out, is a successful season in which the team overachieved and played a lot of great fucking football. Okay. With a lot of players who will miss. Yes. Okay. A lot of guys who we're going to miss. And that is really awesome. From a program standpoint, we got to figure out how to end this fucking Michigan state blip ASAP and also start fucking stealing games from Ohio. 100%. And make I, it so it's not stealing a game. I mean, that game. part I'm on board with. But and at some point, like, it has to start by maybe we haven't even been able to steal a few. If it's four versus six, is it really stealing? Like, are we stealing one? I feel like stealing is like Purdue. Like, we got out no, of there. No, no, no. This year, we wouldn't be stealing one. But, like, uh, Gorgeous Borges, worst two-point conversion play of all time. That would have been stealing one, right? Like stealing that, one. Would've, that would have been stealing one. And a lot of times that'll happen. And we like Michigan state has stole games against us, right? But like 
how how have we not been able to steal See, and, one and this is game? this is where I this is where I'm putting my line because I agree with you. We have been on a run, both against State and Ohio. We've been on a run of bad luck. But you know the thing with luck is when you have a run of bad, you'll have a run of good. It comes down the road. So, like, and, and let's look at the before this little run we're in now. Michigan dominated State and dominated Ohio. And I would be remiss and probably ignorant if I said that Michigan had zero luck in any of those outcomes in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Yeah, for sure. And, and so I would tell you, yeah. You, and we're going to cross sports here. It's we're, We were the Yankees. We probably got complacent in the mid to, mid to early 2000s, thought we were better than everybody, which we were. And we thought we were better than everybody else. Kept waxing ass on the field. Nobody could stop us. And guess what? We got complacent. And everybody else caught up. Ask the Yankees how it worked out. The, the, uh, their own division caught them. The Rays are beating, they, the Rays are beating the Yankees on one sixteenth of the money that the Yankees spent. And they're beating them. Year in, year out. Like, it's happening. The Rays have turned into Michigan's Ohio. Now, let me... Yeah, that's a good point. And still nobody... Like, if you're even a casual baseball fan, I don't know that you understand the gravity of what the Rays are doing right now. Right, but that's my point. Is the And even Aaron Boone, the Yankees came out... The Yankees manager came out and said, the rest of the league has caught up to what we're doing. And I oh, think... They- they passed them. That's what I said. They passed you. But he says they caught up. And, and my point is they Michigan's the same way. Everybody yeah. caught up to Michigan. And yeah. some would argue Ohio passed us. But that that's a different argument for a different time. Here's – and to transition us to the next Michigan sport here, because I think this also plays into the problem for football and, and the um, – kind of hard fan base which it's hard regardless but i think this does play an additional factor is when you look at michigan basketball they are everything you want the football team to be in that they at the very least once the last time they haven't exceeded expectations in the past 10 or 11 years so true but you know, uh well. like not only have they almost always met expectations they've generally exceeded expectations and see, that's I'll a dangerous game to play. That's a dangerous game to play, and that's when you have to start tempering yourself to not we move those goalposts. But, but that's what happened to Michigan football. Yeah. Is we did so good for so long, and then all of a sudden we just decided the goalpost was national championship or bust. And, and, and that's that's where we get ourselves in trouble. Like and and I'm ultimately a guy who believes in like building a program and building a foundation and recognizing that in sports. You're not always going to win. I know that's the goal and that's what we're working to. But there is a crap ton of luck in a game of football or even a game of basketball. There's a crap ton of luck. And sometimes you may just lose because you lost. Yep. Like, and, and, and in the NCAA tournament, which kind of bringing us back to basketball, that's one of the worst ones there is with luck just knocking you out. And, and I think that's when – you start when you do have that success. It's like you can't move those goalposts 
especially repeat, repeated success, you can't move those goalposts to be like, okay, this is now what you have to achieve to be deemed successful because that's how I think you ruin good programs. No, I think that's a great point. I do think probably not from the fan base as a whole, but I think from the messaging from inside the building, both with Hoke and I think with Harbaugh, it does feel like they've reset their goalposts to Big Ten championships. Mm-hmm. We got to win Big Ten championships. And I like that because, again, in a norm, in most seasons, all else the same, to win a national championship, you got to win the Big Ten championship. That's how you guarantee yeah, yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great goalpost. I, that's a, I would call that the playoff equivalent. Yes, and I think that the fan base just has to – come around to it some never will right because there's people who saw the glory years right like we didn't see the glory years we were just told about them but there are people who did see the glory years and now they've seen 20 years of like yo what the fuck are we doing like what are you guys doing i watch too much texans football to even like even if michigan won the national championship and i'd I'd cry i'd get emotional i'm not denying that uh but but at the same time i also would not I've watched too much Texans football to know how bad it can get if you if you find yourself in a cycle of crap, and yes. and that's that's way worse off. You're way worse off than if you have a, a program that's churning out ten wins year in year out every time. Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> it's a point where the losses hurt more the more that you win. Yeah. Oh, you know? that, that is deep there. Take a minute. Put that on a shirt. Just let that one breathe. But yep. I mean, that's that's why I think people act irrationally sometimes, especially in college football or even in the NFL. I mean, shit, the Lions fucking uh, fired Jim Caldwell after he basically had like the best three-year stretch in. I know. That's a great example. The Lions, the Lions is they a great example. You know, and where have the Lions been post-Jim Caldwell? Uh, not the playoffs. Yeah, and I, how many wins they have this year? This year we have zero wins. We do have a tie though. Do have a tie? We have one tie, which will ultimately and undutably <laughs> come back to fuck us out of the first overall draft pick, without a doubt. I, doubt. you don't know how bad I want the Texans to get that first overall pick. I assume they're going to get it because the Lions trash. The Lions will find a way to win a game, and the Texans probably won't. It's amazing uh, that they won one. As somebody who's watched both teams, um, the Texans are objectively worse than the Lions. Yeah, for sure. I objectively mean, worse. DeAndre Swift is a good player. The the Lions actually have like they're competitive. Like they have talent. They have positions where they're like, we're good. We're set here at this position. Yeah. Name one position on the Texans where you're like, no, we're set. We're good. Laramie Tunsil, obviously. Tackle. I would argue we need another one. Right, but. One, that is one position, <laughs> but we're not set. We don't. We're not set at tackle. We we have one tackle. You need two. Yeah. Like you are set at a tackle, I suppose. Yeah, if he plays, he hasn't played like in the last <laughs> three weeks. No, I agree. I think, but that was my first thought. You know, it's funny because you see some Lions fans were like super happy about getting a tie, right? And us true Lions fans, as I would say, our re- literal first reaction was like. One, that was like one of the worst football games I've ever watched in my entire life. It was hilarious. I liked it. Am I weird? I love the weather. It was, oh, the the 
atmosphere was good, but the play on the field was oh, atrocious. Yeah. But it was hilarious. Like, it was hilarious. I, um, I felt like I was watching a high school game. Like, just the weather yeah. and, like, the elements were getting to him. Like, Jared noticeably. at one point had, co- had completed eight passes for, like, 34 yards. <laughs> I, I Like, when I was – but honestly, when I was watching it, like, you could tell. Like, the wind and the wet rain was bothering him. Like, yeah. and affecting play calling, affecting – affecting their ability to do anything obviously by the score I, I liked it as a football person no i think that's fair but all of this to say that the initial reaction literally was well that is going to screw us out of a draft pick and the question becomes how many because this has happened to the lions before where we how had, many how's it gonna screw you out of more well let's say we win like a fucking a couple games right so like then oh we're getting on a roll I don't know, right? I'm just saying, like, we're on the line straight. At the very least, it seems likely that that tie will cost us the number one overall pick. And worst case, what if all of a sudden we fucking are picking like eighth or ninth? Our roster is, we have a lot of issues. We need, we need the best players in the draft. I want two, two things here. One, I think it's quite a jump to think from going from one tie to all of a sudden two wins (laughs) is, is quite a jump. Uh, we play the Bears and the Falcons left on the schedule. The Falcons haven't been playing bad. The Falcons uh, just got drubbed by the drubbed. Cowboys. Yeah, but then they've also beaten uh, the Vikings, beaten some good teams. Uh, years. Yeah, that's true. Um, and the Bears, uh, you're right. Uh, that's a competitive that's game. That's Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, that, that's a competitive game. I won't deny that. You could win that. But – I guess my I don't even know where I was going with this. Uh, going from one tie to two wins. Yeah, that's quite a jump. Quite a jump. One yeah. tie to two wins. But um, I guess my point with the Lions is the Pistons have already stole a number one overall pick from the Rockets. Detroit and Houston, we can just agree <laughs> that you guys got number one in the NBA. Let us get number one in the NFL. Everybody wins. Who do you think Houston would take? Great question. I don't know. I don't what, know. All right. Well, I mean, obviously, we need a quarterback. Desperately need a quarterback. Uh, right. So that's what I would tell you. We would probably end up training back because we we because we need a quarterback, which isn't here, and we need more than a quarterback. Um, so I would tell you we would trade back to where a quarterback would likely get drafted, probably that five six range, and get a. Hopefully, if our management can pull it off, one to two more first on top of it. So then here's the question, because I was actually having this conversation with uh, some of my boys regarding the Lions, because we were playing out the scenario of what do you do in the first overall pick? And one of my friends said, well, it'd be dope if you could fucking trade it for like a couple ones. And I'm like, who's the guy that somebody is going to trade up to one to get? Do you know that guy? Like, I have a guy who I think the Lions should take number one. I mean, he's a rush end. I mean, that's from the University of Oregon. Yeah, you know, I K- think K- I think K- KT, I think KT is the dude. I don't know that you're gonna have. I don't know if he's a guy that people are gonna trade try to trade up to get. And I don't know that there's anybody else that people are gonna try to trade up to get because there's not a marquee quarterback. There's not. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know that you'll be able to trade that. No, I don't know that you'll be able to trade the number one for what you like morally can trade the number. I'm one. just trying to trade our quarterback for something like we, we got yeah. way more problems that like the Texans franchise, man, it's bad. bad, that's, a, bad. that's a very interesting and 
seemingly fucking messy situation from like the NFL league office. Yeah, it's office. so bad. It, it, I like I I they are saying nothing. Nothing. It, it, which okay. Let's dive into this. I know we got a few minutes left, but let's. I think this is a good a good rounding out topic. I'm one. I want to start with this. I miss the days where your highest paid player actually played for you. Um, I do. I do miss the days where contracts actually meant something. Um, Would you want him to play right now? Yeah. If if the NFL isn't going to make him sit out and he does, and he's not required by law to sit out like, because frankly, we're all that's going on right now in the legal stuff is just accusations and discovery. Like there's no, he's not guilty. Like, I, which I, and I, this is not me saying he's innocent by any stretch. This is right. not, that's not what I'm saying, but he's still getting paid to do his job. Yeah, that's but, true. Like so, and he still affects. If I'm the Texans, which I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to put my in their shoes. He counts against my salary cap. I still have to cut him checks. The NFL, like you said, has not stepped in and said he's on an exempt list or or anything. So why does he get to determine that he's not going to play and still get paid? Do you think the NFL is back channeling that situation? Incredibly trying to bury it is. And, and also trying to say, do not play this motherfucker. Uh, uh, I, That's what I'm wondering about. I'm wondering if the NFL is telling them, Hey, don't play it. Like, I, and Deshaun doesn't want to play anyways. Right. So not that's for the Texans. No. So that's kind of your Texans GM had of like, Hey dude, like, you should be playing because we have a contract for you to play. So I get that. But my curiosity is like, is the NFL back channeling saying like, we haven't put him on the exempt list because we don't really want to, we just want it to kind of like go away, but like don't play him because if you play him, then it's maybe never going away. Yeah, can you imagine if, how, he, how is it? Can you imagine if he took a snap on Sunday? How is the Texans? Can you just say, okay, like there has to be like, I mean, that is deep level conspiracy, like even above. And I consider myself an avid conspiracy follower, but like all the if, other owners, I mean, there's a lot of leverage. But in what, what's in it for the Texans? They literally have just crushed the entire franchise for ever, like uh, not ever, but a long period of time. They the only eviscerated, dude. The only thing that kept this Texans franchise relevant was we had a quarterback. And JJ Watt. Well, he's gone. Right, but yeah, and he yeah. was he was traded. He left. <laughs> and Honey Badger. <laughs> he that all three of those people. Ian is putting on his troll hat. All three of those people were gone. <laughs> it was unintentional, but I was like, oh yeah, damn, they have traded away a lot of guys. Yeah, all three of those people that he listed were gone prior to Deshaun. This Deshaun Watson stuff coming out. So yes. Ian Ian put on his his troll hat pretty Sorry. pretty heavily. Uh, <laughs> coming from a it just hurts, especially from a Lions fan. Yeah, well, uh, you know what the problem is is uh, you, that's what us Lower Peninsula residents in the state of Michigan are called by the up the 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 Upers because we're under the bridge, so we're trolls. So I apologize. Oh, it's a, a shoe fits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, but but my point here, 
kind of let, let's just walk through the the series of events. Yes. Why is Deshaun Watson not on the football field? Deshaun Watson is not on a football field. Uh, one because it. Geez, what happened first? Him saying he didn't want to play for the Texans or all the allegations? Him not wanting to play for the Texans. So allegations aside, he might have potentially not been on the field anyways. They would have been able to trade him, though. So why is he getting paid? That is the part that I do not know. That's what I'm getting at, is why... And Odell Beckham Jr. is, a, is another example uh, uh, that happened recently. Why did the Browns continue to pay OBJ after all the stuff that went down with him one and obj is not good obj is not a good wide receiver anymore i, I don't think he was ever a good wide receiver but he's struggling why why do they continue to pay them if they're not going to play tj watt another another example you i i i, I get it we had this holdout scenario before but now it's like a hold in we're like we're just gonna just come work out and then not play like, I, I don't understand how all we've just somehow gotten away from when you sign a contract for an X period of time. That means X period of time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There, And now we're talking about like, what does some of the language in contracts look like to like, how, how are these players not in breach of contract legally? They probably are, but nobody, nobody, NFL included, wants to send any of these cases to an actual American court. They want to play in their kangaroo because they do not, under any circumstance, want to give American courts jurisdiction over their leagues. No chance. So they oh, want to. They want. Like they want. They don't want to create any precedent. They, yeah, they don't want to create any precedent at all. I uh, I would tell you that is a la- worst case scenario. So it, so it's a loss leader then. You know, it's just a fucking it's a cost of doing business, I suppose. Oh God, which but at some point you got to draw. <laughs> at some point you got to draw the line in the sand and be like, hey, you know what? We're gonna go to the court. Like and and, and instead of playing in our kangaroo court, which that's all the NFL is. Instead of playing in our kangaroo uh, kangaroo court, we're gonna send it to real court and let's figure this crap out like you need to come to work okay so yeah i guess that's the because they could all i mean hypothetically they could cut them right yeah or you could just withhold pay i'm not saying cut them i'm saying like deshaun watson should not be getting paid right now oh and then make him decide if he's going to take action or not basically yeah okay exactly that's what i'm getting at yeah but then you're saying the nfl is like we don't want to go down that fucking road so Mm pay him and don't worry about it type deal. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. If they cut him, yeah, fuck. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I don't know. Again, that may I am just now under the assumption that the NFL is like insanely powerful. It's owned by every team is owned by like some of the most powerful people in the country, Roger Goodell, like my assumptions of what they can do are limitless. I uh that you bring up a great point, and I want to that maybe this is kind of a transition into a, a money move, kind of. Uh, that take there, I had somebody tell me, and this is not my thought, not my original thought, but um, somebody said that the NFL and the owners in the NFL is the OG blockchain of how things work, and that was just like pretty pretty profound. I thought. I mean, even think about other leagues in the in the U.S. The ML, I mean, the NFL has 
infinitely more power and sway than the NBA than major league baseball, all these things they just do, right? Like for now, at least they are the Kings of the castle and they have been for all of eternity. They are the fucking mob basically. Yeah. It's the mafia, Robert De Niro. He's there. And what's crazy. I'm, I'm throwing more like nuggets out here, but you look at like the top 50 most watched broadcasts every year, television broadcasts. And sometimes you'll see a narrative about, okay, people are watching less sports. They are not playing sports, so on and so forth. One, we've talked many times about how the watching is happening. It's just happening in different places. And yep. they're too slow to figure out how to like capture illegal streams and even like people watching on actually just streaming it they are actually finally now starting to count like streaming numbers but the eyeballs are still there all of this that's all besides the point part of the reason why the nfl is still so massive is because of their television contracts which are still going, going up, up. Damn near not just the nfl baseball too and basketball yes now for the nfl in particular it's something like every year if you look at the top 50 most watched broadcasts of the year of any Grammys, the Oscars, fucking 60 Minutes, you name it, Simpsons Halloween special, 47 or something like that of the top 50 are NFL, NFL games. 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 Wait, and, and we can't pat, we can't talk about this without – we got to give the NHL a shout-out. The ESPN deal that the NHL just signed was fat. Yeah, that makes me think that ESPN is just trying to get more subscribers to ESPN Plus, and they're like, yeah, I, the NHL. Yeah, I agree. But they're going to buy Sunday ticket. They ESPN paid, Plus is probably going to buy a Sunday ticket. I think Red Zone. I think potentially both. Bring it on. I'm ready. Amazon, I think, might want to get Red Zone, too. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and you know what happens when you create a bidding war. Oh, the rights are like I said, their TV rights are doubling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just from already a large amount. Yeah, it's gonna fold. The league's gonna fold. Move on. It is interesting. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing too is like, yes, youth participation is down. Um, and yet to to see like if it continues on its current trajectory, and if it does, if that hurts the product at all, because the talent is just continuing to get better. I, so I heard a I, I read a recent study and I didn't mean to cut you off, but just talking about the youth talent going down. So I or youth participation going down, not talent. Um so I, I read a study that the youth participation was indeed going down, uh, but it dubbed youth as K through eight participation okay. in football. However, high school participation in football was on the rise. Hmm, interesting. So I don't, that's, and it said that kids are now just not playing football at a young age and instead getting involved for the first time in high school. Hmm. That's interesting. Which I thought was interesting too, but I thought maybe this whole youth decline thing, we can actually give, put, put a story behind it. Yeah. And I guess if it's not, if it's not translating to high school, well, and yeah, ultimately it just matters. Are you still having elite talent or not, right? Because like, yeah, it doesn't really matter how many kids play. It just matters that the really good ones play, right? Like at the end of the day, and usually the elite athletes find 
the sports to play. they're good at, right? Like how many guys, I mean, David Ojabo at Michigan didn't play his first year playing football was like three years ago. This year he posted a tweet. I just saw this um, yesterday. It was somebody like somebody resurfaced it where in the Washington game, which was after uh, just two. after Monday weekend, week two, he had his first sack of his career and he posted the highlight and said like, first sack of my career many more to come now he's being talked about 10 weeks later as a first round draft pick and this dude didn't play football until he was a junior in high school and he's like a red shirt he's played football for like three or four years i think you're gonna see a lot more of that too i I think that's ultimately like the point of the study that i read now yeah i know there's weird studies out there but i think the ultimate point was you're gonna see a lot more david ajabos yeah i think so too and I'm I, the only thing I've ever been hesitant about, because I think this is happening in my hometown now where like they don't start contact football until like they're maybe like 12 years old. Right. And uh, of course, now I'm going to sound like fucking get off my yard. Oh, Clint Eastwood. Here we go. What do you got? I love it. I just think that at a young age, for the most part, now you see the videos on fucking Twitter of the massive eight-year-old who does, like, hurt people. Right? Oh, boy. He's already got a qualifier. But it doesn't happen all that often. I think it's very important that at a young age, okay, I started tackle at, like, eight years old. I know in other states I, they say Dude, six, I know what you're – I'm with you. But you need to learn saying, contact. You need to sure. learn contact, how to tackle, how to be tackled, how to fall when – everybody's small and moving relatively slow. Cause if the first time you learn that is when you get hit by some kid who's 17 years old and looks like he's 30 and in the peak athletic shape of his life and he's flying around, you might get very, like you might get really hurt and you will definitely never. But I a hundred percent agree with you that there's so much value in learning contact early. Like there's so much value in learning how to get tackled, learning how to fall, learning how to tackle uh the problem is we don't have enough coaches in america to teach it correctly like and and that's the problem because if you aren't tackling correctly you're not you're not you're hurting people you're not you're not helping the game at all yeah and and yeah still like if you're not tackling correctly at eight years old like yeah you can get somebody hurt for sure but like the earlier that they learn it the better chance they have to not get hurt as they're learning it because they're gonna have to learn it at some point it doesn't it rarely just fucking happens unless maybe you rest hundred percent the value. There's so much value for the game in learning how to fall, how to tackle and how to be tackled at a young age. Like just learning all just that muscle memory is not the right word, but, but that motion. Yeah. It's a I mean, it's, they call it form tackling, right? (laughs) Learning that at a young age is invaluable. Um, But the problem isn't the, the, I don't think the problem is that there's not, willing participants it's we don't have enough teachers yep yeah and i know like usa football is trying to work on that i really think that the nfl needs to do more i know they i believe are kind of like behind the scenes with some of the usa football stuff and and lend a helping hand but it's like man it seems like we can do better from a grassroots football perspective but like you say it all ultimately does down come down to coaches and that's hard to do regardless. Let's say you had the perfect training procedures in place to get the people who have the time and the ability to be able to do that, especially in like small town America. I mean, 
it's difficult as we grow older it makes me like really appreciate and respect how like until i got into seventh grade every single coach i had was a a dad who was also working full-time and we weren't like we were practicing you know like not necessarily at the end of a work day you know it was like they're leaving work early they're doing like that's a lot of extra shit to take on and i think a lot of people don't have the ability or like the skill to do it and i'll add on top uh 90 percent of why i'm an official and not a coach is because the parents all suck so if you have a kid out there don't be one of those parents because yeah. y'all are brutal i assume i know your answer on this one but but uh we'll try to keep it also rapid style as we have a, a michigan basketball game that tips off here in nine minutes the the other thing that has been rising meteorically is single sport um, specialization. Yeah, right? and it seems like ther- like physical therapists, trainers, those type of people say don't do it because you overwork certain muscles and ligaments and things because you're doing the same type of movements all the time. So I know that there's been like some more injecting of even if you do single sport, but you like multi-sport train. So you have like a more holistic training program. I think that's all fucking still kind of crazy for kids in like middle school. Like the amount of training and stuff that's happening is almost unbelievable. But all of this to say a question of what do you think about single sport? Do you think people should play multiple sports? Do you think it'll continue to even get worse and will basically move down the pecking line of like, I think oh, if you have a stance, you know who's going to be the fucking, QB one. I think if you have a stance on child labor laws in China, then you, <laughs> then you should have a stance on single sport athletes at youth. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I don't, I'm, that is not to be said that I don't think there's a point in life that you should as an athlete transition to a single sport. Yeah. Um, but I don't even think that point is high school. I, I, I I don't think that point is until you're in college and you're a division one athlete and you're, and you get recruited to go play a sport. Right. Then maybe we can talk about, because that the schedule demands that they put on you is, is a whole nother level. Um, well, now you're trying to make that your career. Correct. At that, I mean, to a degree, there's a lot of guys on a college football team that recognize it's not a career and, and just enjoy playing football. I would tell you the majority yeah, of a college football team, it fits in that kayak. Yeah. Um, but I, I, but my point is, I think I don't believe in specialization at all until, until you get to college. And I even think there's extents where you should play two sports in college. If you can, if you, yeah, if you have the ability, I, I, uh, yes, absolutely. I support it. Like if you can run track and play football and return punts, oh my God. Yes. Or I've seen, I've even seen, uh, Mid-major schools, they have a, a goalkeeper on their soccer team who's a goalkeeper on their soccer team and kicks field goals. Love it. Think it's- well, you've, you've even got a handful of guys who play, like, football and baseball at big programs. Um, obviously, in, like, Division three, it happens a lot more where, where people are multi-sport athletes. It's obviously a different world. But, like, yeah, it's interesting because it, it does seem to just make you an all-around better athlete, and that is worth something. But all right, let me let me take your your question and flip it back at you. 
So we both are Michigan guys. I don't think anybody of the hundreds of thousands would doubt that. Um, we've witnessed Coach Harbaugh do some strange non-football <laughs> drills during practice. And I'll, I'll give the audience an example so you don't have to. Um, we've witnessed Jim Harbaugh um, rip a ground ball through the hole and put his linemen out in right field and make them throw it to home uh, as in a baseball play. Uh, we've, I've witnessed him have to turn a double play as a baseball play. I've witnessed them have to dribble the length of a basketball floor, uh, both ways, like go up and down, then come back and shoot a layup. Um, a lot of non-football drills I've witnessed gigantic human beings doing, uh, like offensive and defensive linemen. What is your stance on, on coach Harbaugh making those guys do non-football quote-unquote non-football drills i think it's fine i think like i think generally that's like you're just trying to make conditioning more interesting and i do think there is something to like hey one let's have a little bit of fun okay let's have a little bit of fun here let's try something different let's like keep things fresh and i do think you know like the example i thought of was maybe it's like a little different because maybe it's more like actually applicable um where he was like ripping grounders at like quarterbacks and skill guys. And it's like, yeah, you guys got to have quick hands, quick feet. I mean, linemen dribbling up and down the court, like they got to be ballet, ballet, baller, ballerinas, ballerinos, ballerinas, ballerinos. Oh, I love it. I don't know if that's a, a word that I don't either. I don't either, but we can make it a cutback word. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think it's hurting anything. I think it's like a fun thing. I remember like when we were in, high school like we had a basketball practice where we played wiffle ball and like i think that stuff is just fun for the guys personally well uh, see uh, that i think and, and maybe this is coming off as harsh but i think that's a glorified waste of time like i think you can make uh you can make football specific drills i don't know to, to hit all those areas and yes i see the value of making it light i'm with you but I, and I, you know, at the end of the day, uh, to me, I guess I, the perspective was it just was forcing kit guys to be multi-sport when they're not at that point, that's a justified move from not being multi-sport. Jim Harbaugh is by no means multi-sport. So why would he expect his, why would he expect his athletes to be? Well, he's not asking them to go put any minutes or play any minutes. Oh, hold the phone. Have you seen them try to – I literally was standing there when they tried to turn a double play, and Khalid Hill airmails, airmails the turn at second base. Like, launch He's not asking them to go play for the Michigan baseball team. No, but when you you would have – Yeah, but he wasn't nice to him by any stretch after he airmailed it into the upper deck of of Oosterbott. Well, come on, guys. What are, are we athletes or are we not? We're not, you know, like we're not doing anything crazy. We're trying to turn a double play. That's a pretty tough, tough yeah, move there. He doesn't have him up there on the balance beam or having him do vault runs and gymnastics. Okay, uh, if we had if we had David Ajabo on the pommel horse, that's a that's a conversation. Maybe I don't know. I think I think those gymnasts have muscles that most of us don't even know exist. A hundred percent agree. Do you uh, also? Let me ask you this. Could who could hit a ball further, Sierra Romero or David Ojaba? Oh, Sierra Romero for I, sure. I think so too. I don't even think it's Not close. Not even close. I, I mean, it, there's there's probably a handful of guys on the on the football team who could probably absolutely crush softballs for sure. 
in like it's, a but, well at full ball. speed yeah yeah well it, at full speed nobody i mean <laughs> i was gonna say who who could oh, cat, make i don't think i could make contact at no, all i have no confidence that i would be able to even sniff nope, a ball. not even a little bit i don't i'm not even sure i could see it i would just probably hear it is all that would happen that was better yeah <laughs> <laughs> i feel confident in my abilities against most other it. people yeah but yeah to so that's another thing like seeing people say oh we could hit like d1 softball pitchers olympic softball pitchers it's like you weren't even a good high school baseball player yeah yeah no chance no chance it's it's, it's i don't it's know awful. that knowledge base i don't know if yeah good luck no chance uh the emeralds guys when we were there like albertos when he when he would pitch like no chance not yeah. not even but uh, before we do kind of transition out of here, I do have a fire breather for the people. Okay, let's hear it. And this is this is a fire breather, and I'm going to piss everybody off as we go. So if you have oh, no. if you, if you have one, I want you to go first. I got nothing. Okay, fire breather, uh, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, Ian. So saddle up. The 2020 Dodgers World Series win has a bigger asterisk on it than the 2017 Astros World Series. Okay. I've said it. Let it marinate. <laughs> Sleep on it. It's true. I have no words for that one, bud. Do you disagree? I don't, I honestly don't care. <laughs> I honestly don't care. You're preaching to the wrong audience. Well, I, I about any of it long ago. I'm good. I just, it's all right. I can defend it. Hit me up on Twitter. I'll defend it. If you have problems with it, if not, just accept it as true and everybody wins. <laughs> I would like to hear MLB's response to that personally. Uh, I, yeah. If Twitter wants to fight, I'll fight. I'm ready. I'm ready to fall on this sword. I think you should tag MLB and say, and put that out there. Do it. Let's put it out from the cutback. Let's let them know. No, how no, from you. From <laughs> no, your no, no, I think that we should let them know how the show feels. From your views are your own. <laughs> oh, dang. I honestly don't know. I mean, obviously in the court of public opinion, that's, false well i'm I'm not asking the court of a public opinion i'm asking i'm asking you as a, an educated sportsman yeah i guess i just honestly probably don't even know enough about the situation to know either way well so, all right 2020 oh we don't have the time we're tipping off we tipped off already we're tipping off we don't have the time 2020 People, truncated season truncated season that is a fire breather that is the epitome of the fire breather segment so i'm glad that you brought it back in as spicy of a way as possible to. i try to I, uh, fuck. I would say, uh, I don't, man, do I have one? Oh, I, I do have a fire breather. Well, hit me. We're tipping off, but hit me. We're tipping off. It is basketball. The all white basketball jerseys for Michigan uh -huh. should never be worn. Wow. Tell me why. They just shouldn't be worn. One, I just don't really think that they look that great. And in basketball, the sport where you can get away with, just wearing like your actual school colors. And we have the ones that we do. The blue and the maze are elite jerseys. All right. I agree as Michigan that stands. But as if we're talking Michigan only, that's true. But I think home teams at large should wear white at home. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, and I, I guess I'm just okay with Michigan wearing yellow because it's Michigan. Like, it, yeah, 
Because a lot of teams have home whites that I like that I think are good jerseys. Uh, I, I respect that as a basketball tradition. Like you wear white at home. Like that's a yeah. thing. Yeah. But I'm cool. because, And I think it's tradition, like sticking with the Michigan stuff, like to buck that and wear yellow at home. Like I'm cool with that for Michigan. But Oregon, wear white at home. Yeah, shit, man. Yeah, I guess the problem is, is like, for a lot of schools, I guess Michigan, Oregon, there's other ones that I can think of. Their white jerseys are just the ones that I personally like the least. Now, I agree with the tradition, though. I agree with the tradition. But from somebody who just wants to see it be aesthetically pleasing and be a little swaggy, a little swagoo on them. I want to be swaggy on the road. Put those things in the chest, you know? I want to be swaggy on the road, man. That's where I want to be the swaggiest is on the road. That's why I also, I mean, the all whites for football are clean. But, man, I love the maize pants on the road. I think that should be the go-to. We got the we got one of the best colors in college football. Put that motherfucker on. I, I'm with you. I, I, I want to be swaggy on the road. That's, that's where I want to be swaggy. At home, I want to come take care of business. I want to show you what we're about. We're going to wear all white. We're going to wax you. And we're going to go on the road. my office. Is yeah. Yeah. We're going to wear all white. Road? I'm stepping into your office. My feathers are out. Okay. I'm wearing feathers a pinstripe suit. I got some. <laughs> I got some nice ass dockers on. Like we're looking good. Fresh dockers. Fresh <laughs> yeah. dockers. Wing tipped. Yeah. Uh, beautiful. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fellow degenerates like Mister Munns and myself, who have just taken you on a ride that only the cutback can provide. Keep your hands and feet in side at all times and keep your headphones inside your ears until next week keep your head on a swivel and try not to get laid <laughs> the fuck out